0: Hey guys, this is Ronald, and before we start this video off, I just want to let you know that Frank M. Sheldon, the face behind G-Man since Half-Life 2, opened up a Twitter account just for you guys, so you can follow him there and stay in touch with him to keep the interaction up. He wants to talk to you guys, so please follow him, at Frank M. Sheldon 1. Thank you, and let's begin. Welcome
1: to the folk. Podcast.
0: Hello, guys. I hope all of you are doing well out there, and welcome to a brand new episode of the Vogue Podcast. In today's episode, I'll be interviewing writer Frank Sheldon, who's been the face model of the G-Man since Half-Life 2. That's back in 2004. Well, welcome, Frank. Thank you so much for coming on and joining me for this chat about Half-Life. How are you? Oh
1: I'm doing pretty well and uh and and thank you for asking and thank you for having me here
0: well thank you for being interested
1: <laughs> well we'll see
0: well yeah we'll see and and we have our first question over here from from white red dragons is his username how did you get in touch with valve actually or how did you get the job well
1: um I had a friend uh uh, I guess I should say when I first moved to Seattle, <clears throat> I had a friend who worked for Microsoft and I was talking to him about maybe helping my daughter find a job. And he said, it's 50% what you know and 50% who you know. <laughs> uh, years later, I ran into it again and I reminded, of, reminded him of what he said. And he said, well, now I'd say it's about 90% of who you know. So the simple answer is I I knew someone who wound up... I met them before they actually started with Valve, but they eventually uh, moved on to Valve. And uh, it was right around the time that they were getting Half-Life 2 going.
0: Yeah. When was that? Around 2001? It, it, it's been the early 2000s, for sure.
1: Yeah, well, I don't have a, a firm grip on, on, on dates of that, but it was, mm-hmm. uh, I think uh well he was living in seattle too uh and i think it was when they were actually when i met bill they were working <laughs> it was bill van buren he was working on mm. like cd-roms you remember mm. i don't know you probably don't remember you're too young but for a while everyone thought cd-roms were going to be the big thing and then, it, and then it turned out they weren't and and because the internet came along yeah. but he, he he wound up working at valve and and they were working on, on, on Half-Life 2, They, you know, they uh, that was the follow up to their first version which yes. I think it, my impression was that it broke some ground in that it had mm. something like a real storyline sure. rather than just bang bang, shoot shoot. Uh, oh, yeah. And uh, he was doing that and um, he approached me. They said they were looking for people and he thought I might be good. Uh, Originally they thought he thought I might be good for for Breen. There's a character I think called Breen. Yes, Dr. Breen. And the funny thing is now if you look at me I look more like Breen. So that's what yes. happens.
0: <laughs> yes. Um, how was the process of, you know, them capturing your face? How how what did you go through?
1: Well there are actually two versions of this. The initial version they did for Half Life Two was pretty basic. They uh, would just photograph uh, people. um, And some of the other people I know were just people they saw in the building they were working on, somebody working Mm -hmm. for somebody else, and then, oh, oh, that's a good face, we could use him. They, um, I I think they, I mean, I think they spent some effort finding the right, you know, face, but um, they used basically just a camera, and uh, they did a bunch of shots with me and different expressions. And then at one point they they drew some lines on my face to kind of, I think they were just reference points. Mm-hmm. And um, my understanding from talking to Bill, I mean, this kind of technology was new, to, to, at least to me at the time. And they would create, then create sort of a wireframe model of, say, you know, the head. And then they mm-hmm. would take these photographs and kind of wrap the... The surface you know the skin texture and the other features around this wireframe and then you tweak it a little bit poke it here and there Um, and then they would get it to work so um, they uh, stretched my head out a bit I'm not I'm not one of these people with a long head uh, Mm -hmm. I would say and and the character is a bit but I actually don't look like you would think somebody would look to be the model for G-Man, but I think that worked in their favor, because mm-hmm. when you see G-Man, you there's always something a little, there's something not quite right there. You know, he he yeah. he's, he looks like he looks like a person, but there's something, something, there's something isn't odd. quite, uh, yeah, something there's something odd, and I and I think it's because they put my kind of somatotype. Into another somatotype type, and that kind of shifted it and, and gave it a little bit of a probably. You know, it was probably a good thing.
0: Yeah, but it works very well, and that actually falls into the question of Josh: How different was the process when you returned for uh, Half-Life Alex?
1: Well, <clears throat> yeah, that was very different. Uh, they we f- did the filming at two places. Uh, one place was at a like a studio, like a soundstage in in Seattle that I never knew was there. It was I uh, was just this sort of off in a nook somewhere, but a huge, huge space. And I I walked in and uh, they had a makeup room and uh, I actually uh, one of the face models so one of the other characters in Half-Life Two did my makeup because that was that that was her her profession mm-hmm. the uh, Donna she she's the character kind of a, a white coat science lab worker type with with long dark hair so she, she did my makeup and I bought I cobbled together sort of G man like clothes as best as I could I'm not really a suit guy um <laughs> but I found something And then I walked out and, uh, uh, well, (laughs) it was great. Donna was putting on my makeup and then at some point somebody came in and said, we're ready for you now. My little short, brief Hollywood moment.
0: (laughs) Uh,
1: so I walked out and, uh, they had, um, sort of some very sophisticated um, equipment that seemed to be mm. shooting video from several directions at once. Mm. Uh, and they uh, there was sort of a director there, a set director, uh, and I guess an art director, we would call him. Uh, we have a photo business, so we would call that person an art director. But they kind of led me through it, and, and, and we photographed all that. and. Uh, it seemed like it was coming, like the cameras were coming from multi uh, dimensions. I think they had prisms and mirrors. It was it was mm. quite quite elaborate, uh, and I might be mixing this up with the next shoot, which the part two of that day was. We went back to Valve, and they had uh, something similar with still cameras, mm. and they were able to create um, again shooting from multiple. Uh, direction. They they right on the spot there. They created a a kind of model of my head, mm. and the interesting thing was it had no eyes. So you could look through where my eyes would be to the back of my head, as they would they were kind of rotating it for me on the screen. <laughs> it was a little bit of a blade runner moment, I suppose, uh, something like that. Yeah, but they they used that and um, it. It was, I saw one of the other models there, actually, down the hall as I was leaving the uh, the woman from the, uh, like, whatever the next game was, where there's sort of a robot dog and there's a young kind of Asian kind oh, of Pacific Alex looking. Vance. Yeah, she was there, and, and the model looked exactly like her character. So in that case, they didn't change anything.
0: So I guess they also brought the old uh, face model for that. To,
1: yeah. Yeah, they yeah, they well as much as they could. I I think they thought, "Gee, they're all going to die. We better, you know, get them before they you know, while we can." Uh, because yeah. who knows how long they'll be using yeah, this knows. stuff. And 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 they may never use it. I think it was uh I mean, I don't know what they've used from that, but I think mm-hmm. it was kind of an insurance policy.
0: I see. And and uh, what was your reaction to, you know, a uh, Valve reaching out to you again after so many years? Oh well, I was
1: a little surprised, but not completely surprised. Uh, when I was there the first time, uh, I, I was I worked a little bit at Valve, but not probably in the way you think. And uh, they somebody was telling me they were starting this kind of streaming thing where they were going to like be kind of the iTunes of games, or I think that's how they described it and and that became steam and i remember at the time they were just getting that going and they had a room full of what looked like the kind of desktop computers you you would buy at that time and they had about i don't know 15 or 20 of them in a room with with a couple uh com you know uh consumer grade fans running to try to keep mm-hmm. them from o- overheating and i think that was the beginning of steam mm. and uh so like, let's see where. Like, what was the question? I think I went off the track.
0: No, you answered the question. The question. Oh, was... I did.
1: Oh, good. I've yeah. answered it.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: Actually, there's a. <laughs> and question. I went off the track. Yeah. Yeah,
0: just a bit. Tongbilquan Master asks: So, did Valve scan your face for multiple times for new iteration of Half Life, perhaps for a game that didn't come out?
1: Well, they did. Again, you know the original thing for Half-Life 2 the very simple one just snap snap And then they at some point they did this They did this much more sophisticated shoot and the way it was explained to me at the time was They just wanted to have this in their library so to speak for whatever they were going to do in the future um And I I mean they didn't really exactly make a Half-Life 3. Is that correct?
0: Yes, it is correct. So far well, in the Half-Life 3.
1: Uh, you know, I was talking with somebody there about that, and and, and also what I was thinking. From Half-Life 1 if, uh, to Half-Life 2 was a big jump, obviously.
0: Yes.
1: But um, to Half-Life 2 to Half-Life 3, it would be hard to make it something obviously totally new. It would probably look a lot like the first one, except it would look better. I remember one day I was there, and they were somebody was showing me the, this new kind of thing they were using that was making the light more subtle and more realistic. And it was really nice. But it was like, you know, it, it's a little bit of finesse. And if you're mm-hmm. in that field, you probably loved it. But a lot of people, you know, they might not even, they, they might barely register. So it, it's polygons. Uh, you know, you can only, yes. the, the jump from suddenly adding was degree and degree of that is suddenly you need a lot more computer power, to, but you're not getting such a big payoff. So, I think, although I read recently they somebody had made a big jump with that, but I, I, I don't know. Well, I, that's
0: true. Um, when they jumped from Half Life 2 to Half Life Alex, that's back in 2020, I think. Well, that was a huge jump because it yeah. was in virtual reality. Uh, yes, so that was yeah, a that,
1: jump. yeah, well, I think that's what they were waiting for they they didn't just want to do more of the same they wanted something that added another element i i i, I don't know do you think virtual reality did that enough
0: well it was certainly a, a huge jump and they uh, switched off for a newer mm-hmm. engine that they were working on but we don't know what to expect if if half-life 3 comes out what if is there going to be such a huge jump as between the uh, between half-life 2 and half-life alex or between half-life 1 and half-life 2 we don't know Well, the
1: sense I got from talking to them, you know, people just here and there little short conversations is that they probably wouldn't do something unless they could make a job just to have something that was the same, maybe a little better or but basically the same would not be enough reason to do it. Uh, So Mm. I thought of that myself, you know, um, um, AI is maybe. Maybe an element where you re- actually don't know where the game is going to go. No one does. That would make it interesting to me, at least. You know, like it actually becomes a world. More like, more like our world.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you kind of got a point there. Um, you know, the story was pretty much changed a bit because back in 2007, there was a Half-Life 2 episode 2, which mm-hmm. ended with uh, Eli Vance dying Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, half-life alex kind of changed that direction with uh her his daughter saving him actually so yeah we don't know what to expect now and how big of a yeah what g-man will do in half life 3
1: Mm. no well i don't i i i don't have really much uh inside information about about those things probably probably you have more than i do but (laughs) i'm just looking at it from you know, from maybe the standpoint of a writer, and also the experience. You know, yes. I mean, what struck me—what strikes me—I don't play these kind of games. The closest I get is maybe Free Cell, uh, and, and that's never—that's not, not close at all, is it? But um, I think something that would bring in something that could bring in an element—an element that it isn't really. Predictable. The sandbox becomes, at least, if not completely open, a lot, lot larger. And uh, we could spend mm. your life, you know, in there. And uh, oh, yeah. and you wouldn't be just doing, you know, running along on a rail uh, to oh. an inevitable ending.
0: Like an open world game where you can do whatever yeah. you want. Yeah. Yeah, that, yeah that'd I'd be mi- cool. Sorry, go on. Yeah, that'd be cool.
1: Yeah, yeah. I maybe uh um, No Man's Sky was that a little bit what they were trying to do do you think?
0: I don't know. I don't have much of, much knowledge of No Man's Sky, but I'm sure the people who the love that game are going to comment. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and yeah. So there's a question from TV Box. So how did you react to Half-Life 2's release? You know, it was a huge game, a lot of copies sold. So what was your reaction to that?
1: Well, I thought it looked pretty amazing. Um uh, as you know, they didn't quite meet the original timeline they originally were going to bring this out sooner and they had some issues uh which you're probably familiar with i think Mm -hmm. if they had been if they had brought it out sooner it probably would have been unlike anything that was already out there uh, and it would have made a bigger impression but um it did i think it was still remarkable and and it i think it was popular people people liked it i thought it i mean if you look at you know the first version it made a huge jump it doesn't mean the first version was no longer had was worthless it it, the first version is in a way always the best of something because everything else comes from that Mm -hmm. so it has that advantage but it was uh the way it looked i remember that one day they were demonstrating the physics engine And they had this thing set up with a giant screen and huge speakers and they were bouncing around it looked like an oil drum and pieces of concrete and the way things would move according to what they would hit or how they were hit and the sound they would make it was all fitting together it just seemed it seemed like uh, you know it was pretty pretty crazy for me to see that because I didn't know anything about this stuff and 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 it made sense. I said, yeah, that's that's going to really look be amazing when this thing comes out.
0: Yeah, for sure. I think that might have been at E3 back in the day. And it's crazy how you remember that. I, I
1: saw that before that, definitely. Oh, yes. I saw that's... that. Yeah, and it was while oh. I was kind of doing some work there. I used to build some things for them. Oh, really? Yeah.
0: Um, can you talk about that?
1: Well, um, I again because of Bill I, I I got some work over there a lot of what I did I, I put up a lot of whiteboards it the one essential uh, piece of technology that everybody there used were whiteboards everybody had them everybody used them and I put up a lot of those and uh, and the people were constantly moving from one office to to the next so I then take them down and put put them up they all wanted you know different size different, Place so I did a lot of that, and then um, uh, I built this big platform. They had these. They had the saltwater aquarium with these two creatures. Uh, they're called chambered nautiluses. They look like a big curly shell, but with tentacles sticking out of it and big eyes. They look like a face with tentacles swimming along without with that with a head with no body. They're very they very amazing, and they and they had these in a uh, aquarium that poked out of the wall, but behind the wall there were these giant tanks that ran all this stuff to keep the water good. And I had to build a platform like that, and then I was in there building it, and some guy came in with a big uh, hand truck full of uh, soda and was crashing around. And I said, if this guy crashes into these tanks, you know, it's going to be a disaster. So I <laughs> I talked them into building a fence around it. Uh, so I built that and then I uh, they asked me to build an art board so in a room imagine a big it's basically a big bulletin board but they wanted a certain size and huge thing and painted that sort of drab kind of military green Uh, and I built that and then I uh, there was a guy named uh, Bay rate he started working for them and he had done, he had designed the face for Gollum in Lord of the Rings, the films. And oh. he, he he wanted uh, some storyboards. I don't know if you're familiar with, with the filmmaking business, but they often, when they I make know. a film, they do these little panels, like a comic book almost. Yes. And, and he wanted them that could be moved around. I think they were like eight feet long and about, I don't know, oh. Eight feet, let's see, two and a half meters, 2.3 meters, whatever that would be, and, and about uh, a third of a meter high, 18 inches. And I built three of those, and they were very light and portable, and you could move them around and put them in a line or put them on top of each other, and then you would pin pin the illustrations on there. So I built stuff like that for them, too.
0: That's very interesting. So, So what exactly do you do in 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 life because I'm sure most of the fans and people know you as the face behind G-man but what do you do well
1: uh, for many many years I was uh, a teacher of the Alexander Technique and uh, it's kind of uh, it's kind of like being a performance coach uh, and I worked a lot with performers but also I mean really anybody but I did do a lot of work with performers through that I I got a job with a man named Robert Fripp and Robert Fripp is a musician, composer, guitar player. He started with a group called King Crimson in, you know, part of the 60s things. But they they still go on tour and they're not really a dinosaur band. They they do new stuff as well. Mm-hmm. Kind of they're they're what had been called pro- progressive rock. Robert doesn't like to call it that anymore mm-hmm. Robert Fripp, you can you can look him up but he uh, and he started doing these courses call, uh, that he called g- guitar craft and basically they brought me on board to help people because it was uh, playing any kind of instrument is physically very demanding and mm-hmm. then you have the whole aspect of performing which is another thing altogether I I knew people that could play well, they up in front of an audience and they would just fall apart. So I would help them with that. Uh, I would help them with uh, solving little problems they were having that was causing aches and pains or not having the ability to do what they needed to do. And I also did some courses in kind of creativity, um, inspiration, um, how to get away from uh, ha- habits that might be getting in the way of of performance and, and and creativity and inspiration. So I mm-hmm. did that a lot. And then I left that at, some, at a certain point. And I now kind of work for my wife. My wife is a photographer, Ingrid Papa mm-hmm. Sheldon, P-A-P-E, my wife's from Germany. And uh, mm-hmm. so we have a photo business here just north of Seattle.
0: Yeah, well, I heard you lived in New England and then you moved to the us and then back to New England and and that and it's good to hear all that actually
1: yeah I lived in I lived in England for f- five years I lived in Germany for about five years i I really uh, one of the things I enjoyed about guitar craft was we do courses all over the world so I got to travel a lot and that was really good for me um I also t- I also tried some writing I wrote a novel it's still on Amazon
0: yes um, I believe it's uh far from the sea we know is it that's not?
1: it yeah, and I'm working on another one, a shorter one. And I'm mm-hmm. also working on some nonfiction stuff, which is related to my time in guitar craft. It's, uh, it's basically a book on a very specific way to share experience with the idea that experience without interpretation, if we accept it as simply being a witness to it, uh, mm-hmm. can change our lives. <laughs> how's that uh, okay but that'll be uh, probably by the end of this year
0: oh okay well we'll stay excited for that we'll include yeah. I'll include the your book far from the sea we know in the description so you guys can check it out and you know if you're a big book reader or something you can read it you know Yeah. Um, so there's the next question uh, have you ever been considered uh, to do you know G-Man's voice
1: Oh uh, no! I thought about you know trying to learn that once, but uh, they have. They uh, uh, is it Michael Shapiro?
0: Yeah, it is. Yeah,
1: I think he's he's you know he's kind of got that. Uh, <laughs> I don't think they would need me. Well, uh, maybe do yeah. I do
0: do I sound anything like G-Man to you? Well, you could. <laughs> I mean, you know, he he doesn't really speak that way. He he is kind of sinister and.
1: Yeah, yeah, he's he's sort of. Has a bit of a slithery quality, doesn't he?
0: Yeah. Well, you know, he's an actor, so... Yeah. Um, Have you played any of the Half-Life games, asks Broken? No, I
1: haven't. If I had been born later in life, if that's the way to put it, I probably would have got totally into all of that stuff. But I had just gone through a lot of things by the time games came around. And... uh, It just wasn't something i was going to do i i don't i'm not against them i think it's i think it's really interesting and some people criticize computer games uh, but you know a lot of ways it's better than watching a movie or something because you are taking part in it in some way and i I I, and i think especially with these more sophisticated games where there is kind of a story and there is some unpredictability and uh it, i I had my best friend uh my oldest friend since this you know kindergarten or something he he became he got really into uh Skyrim or something like that Skyrim is that yeah, a game
0: yeah that game exists
1: yeah, yeah he, he got or well, i think there was another game related to it and he he got totally into that and we used to, to we used to talk about it and uh I, I can see how you can do it it just uh it wasn't something I needed to do, you know. I found other things to do, and I.
0: Yeah.
1: um But I, 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 think it's, I think it's fine. I think, I think they get too much criticism in, in a way, and um, my guess is they will become more sophisticated and very immersive, and you know, the metaverse and all that stuff. And uh, it's, it's going to be hard to tell one our lives from our other lives. You know, uh, we're so we're entering some strange future i think uh, whether we want to or not
0: it's impressive it's very impressive and actually we have a question from joe do you think Mm -hmm. you could do a g-man voice impression if i play you a clip if you could do a short line
1: okay i'll I'll try
0: (laughs) dr freeman
1: What is he even saying? I I should explain. I have a profound, severe to profound hearing loss.
0: Oh, he is saying, Dr. Freeman.
1: The last time I tried something like this, I got hoarse. Dr. Freeman. Dr. Freeman. That's the best I can do.
0: It's not too bad. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Uh, He must have, if that's the way... He he spoke. That must have been a little hard on his voice. Do you think they modulated it after the fact? You know, manipulated it a bit to add that kind of raspy burr well, into it.
0: Don't know. It's it's not that raspy actually. Um, it's just like maybe it's
1: just the way I'm hearing it.
0: Perhaps, but that you know, it's it's some, some originality is not a bad thing, and you yeah. showed originality, so that's good. <laughs> and the next okay. question from Stefano Nemo. Have you ever met Michael Shapiro, you know, G-Man's voice?
1: No, no, I, I, I've never met any of the voice actors. Uh, I, I guess it's, you know, when you see the finished product, you kind of picture it all just happening almost as if it's playing out live. But the reality is they do all the little parts and bits and pieces in some case, some cases over years. And so, mm-hmm. yeah, it's, it it, it's common you know just not to see anybody else or or meet anyone else the i think the day the second the second big major session that i was telling you about with uh, they had a lot of people they were doing them all together so they they had i think other people that uh, i did i did see the woman who plays alex uh so but I didn't talk to anybody except except for um except for Donna who plays uh I I think her character's in the lab with I remember she's wearing a white lab coat like who would that be
0: Um was that uh when was that 2019 around that time
1: Well well, well that was in Half-Life 2 Oh
0: Half-Life 2 Well that's a good question it might have been Dr. Mossman but I'm not sure
1: Yeah well, I've I know I know Donna, you know, but uh, that's the only other one I met that I know of.
0: <laughs> yeah. The next question from Red Focus. So, what do you think about G-Man? What do you know about the G-Man? What is your opinion on G-Man?
1: Well, I'm kind of an intuitive person, so sometimes, without really knowing anything, I seem to know something. It doesn't mean it's true, however. <laughs> Uh, I think I, my own sense of him is that he does have some kind of, um, either a human origin or some kind of human intersection. So there's a, there's a certain humanity there, but it also leads, it's also connected out to something that is really not human. Um, and, but, or it's possible that has been through so many configurations or and you know some people even mentioned time travel all all that kind of stuff that he's he's uh he's kind of looked into the abyss and then maybe a little deeper uh and Mm. he's just he's 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 he's, uh only partly in the world of humans
0: yeah it's it's all mystery that surrounds g-man and his uh, character yeah I, I know
1: sometimes writers, when they create a character, like they do have kind of a whole story, a backstory. And so they might know. Um, and it's also possible, especially because G-Man was based on the first game when things were much less sophisticated, that it may not have been important in that first game to actually have much of a backstory. They just knew it was this guy that appears now and then, and either causes trouble or sometimes might even help uh, and that was enough so it could be that if there is any uh, history or any origin or any explanation it's it might be that it's evolving uh, with the people who 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 created the game and who are creating the game i think some of the people in valve have moved on of you know so you know it could be like a lot of fictional uh, characters you know the things change and they will often mm-hmm. kind of retroactively try to come up with a story that that fits in with every if you're if you do a good job at it you would retroactively come up with something that fits perfectly and wouldn't have uh, any uh, irretrievable contradictions if you can put it that way something that would make sense yeah you know
0: well would you believe me if I told you that uh, people are still playing both Half-Life 1 and Half-Life 2?
1: Oh, I would believe that. Uh, yeah, I would, be, because these things have something. And although uh, stuff can become more sophisticated and technically in some ways better, that doesn't necessarily always mean it's more enjoyable. And and there's mm-hmm. something like the, there's always something magical about about the, first version the original version
0: yeah because because because
1: none of that stuff existed and then suddenly it did well not suddenly people worked on it but that will have something uh that you can't ever completely duplicate again and uh and then yeah so i i'm i i wouldn't be surprised at all
0: yeah people are still playing these games in fact uh, modding is an option. Modding. Modding yes. means that they can create their own stories and campaigns. Uh, and that's, I think, still great that people are still making these mods even to this day. Yeah, I think
1: that's, uh, well, that's again, that shows that there, could, there can be a, a creative aspect for for, for players. Uh, yes. And a lot of ways, as I said, it's a lot more engaging and and the players can be more active than say watching you know a movie or a TV show they're just slouched on a couch uh, so so you know I think games I I think at some point games could become as sophisticated as as the most sophisticated films in terms of plot and story and interactions and and subtleties and all of the things that you might like about a, a very good film you know and and uh and I would and, and and then go beyond that you know where it's it's really more open-ended more 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 possibilities I'm sure that's coming
0: well, for sure I mean a lot of games the newer games already have like motion capture in them, which basically has the actors dressed up in some sort of a suit and mm-hmm. that tracks their motion and basically mm-hmm. acting out the scenes you know and that's going to be put in the game so it's almost like Film production, in a way.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, for sure. I mean, there's a big, you know, they're they're getting closer together. I I once asked somebody over there why haven't they made a Half-Life movie, and and he, he said, uh, well, here's the deal that that you get. They say we'll we'll buy the rights to Half-Life from you. We'll be able to do whatever we want with it, and you will have no say in it apps whatsoever and you won't even get that much money for it but think of the exposure
0: for sure for sure
1: so you know yeah it al- so would they- also
0: be great if we got a half-life 3 sorry for interrupting you
1: no no not at all
0: so yeah half-life 3 is like the next uh, thing next to a movie is what we'd like
1: is that is there any indication they're working on something like that
0: the ending of uh, the new half-life uh, indicates that there should be a continuation oh. Well, I know.
1: Also, um, the uh, you know, I didn't talk a lot with with Gabe Newell, but I I I I briefly met him. I actually put up part of his knife collection because he's a collector of knives on his wall in his office there when oh, it was wow. over in Bellevue. Uh, but uh, this isn't just you know uh, a commercial enterprise. You know, they, those guys yeah. they really care about it, and they yeah. and what they don't want to do is just you know, roll something out because there's a market for it. I think they, I think Half-Life has a special place for them. I mean, they do other things, obviously, but they, they it has, a, and they, if they do, if they do something again, it's going to be, uh, I think it'll be, um, it, it will be a jump. And, oh, and sure. that, and, and, and I hope they do. I hope it'd be great if they did.
0: Yeah, it would be great. Exactly. Yeah. Um. Uh, a question from Sifo. Have you ever been stopped in public because people recognized you as G-Man?
1: Um, not really. Uh, uh, somebody asked for my autograph. They had all these posters. They came out with these posters of some of the characters. They had a poster of G-Man. So somebody uh-huh. approached me and asked them if I was uh, uh, autograph the poster. That was my <laughs> one and only autograph. I did... Sometimes I, when I'm going, when I'm at an a, some kind of event like a party or a dinner, somebody introduces me. Oh, there's this guy. He was the, and then people go, oh, and then they look at me.
0: <laughs> well, yeah, you 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 look like the G-man still. Yeah. yeah. Okay.
1: Maybe like, his grandfather.
0: <laughs> oh come on! I mean, you look like a like a G-man with a beard, obviously, but like yeah. cooler.
1: It, it's a disguise. I'm hiding in plain sight. Maybe yeah. Breen is G-Man. Uh, that would uh, make sense.
0: Well, I don't know. I don't think so. But I mean, you do resemble Doctor Breen. But right?
1: see, but see, if he's playing Doctor Breen, if he, if he's playing a role. He's not. He's acting like that character needs to act like to make to create the conditions where other things could take place. Because I think I mean I'm just making all this up, obviously. But <laughs> I think the thing about G-Man that. I got from the little interaction I had was that he's probably the only one in all the of all the characters all the aliens whatever headcrafts uh, strange vorgons whatever they're called with the, the big suits he's probably the only one that really understands what's going on everyone else yeah. are, are just players in his story I' Uh, that's a little grandiose maybe uh yeah, but you know I'm probably biased aren't I
0: <laughs> <laughs> Well half-life 2 uh, to my understanding uh, G-man placed us into that city where Dr. Breen is the administrator with that kind yes. of referring, like we have to stop this guy because he might be a Yes problem, you know Yes so I don't think the possibility of Dr. Breen is G-man or vice versa but who knows because you know it's it's all yes. fiction so. Well,
1: it, make, it makes no sense, except it, it, it would fit in with what you might say G-Man's personality to do something like that. It, yeah. It's kind of, you, you create a crisis so the crisis can be solved, and solving the crisis transforms the person who solves it into something else, and that's what's really needed.
0: Yeah, it's it's always that he, he uses uh, Doctor Gordon Freeman for his own advantages. Obviously, that's why yeah. he keeps him alive. Um, yes. So I wonder, I really wonder what Half Life Three will bring us, because as, as I said before, Half Life Alex w- ended with a different ending, uh, even more interesting. Which I don't really want to bother you with because I I, I know you're probably not aware of all that you know, mm-hmm. and it would be a long story. Um, but let's move on to the next question from, from Bruner. So are you aware of uh, the source filmmaker and Gary smart communities? Those programs allow fans of half-life to manipulate the face of G-Man as well as many other valve characters into absolutely bizarre and disturbing expressions. So what's your opinion on that? Have you seen any animations or anything like that? I, I,
1: well, I have seen some of those. Uh it seems to be you know a natural human tendency you know you draw you see a poster or you draw a mustache on it it's just people have been doing this forever uh it's uh obviously these are more sophisticated i i don't see anything i it doesn't bother me that people do that it's uh Mm. it's uh um i mean people are going to do things and and some of them are will probably be disturbing or in bad taste, and some of them might be, uh, might be even horrible. But uh, I can't stop that, or I mean, you know, it's and uh, and st- trying to stop that might do would probably do more harm than good if you think about it. So, oh yeah, oh uh, yeah,
0: just to, just. I, uh the fact that it's your face pretty much that they're using. So uh, what is your, well, it
1: is, about? and it isn't, you know, they changed me enough. So I see myself when I look at, you know, the, in Half-Life two, the Half-Life two version, I see, I see a bit of myself in there, but, uh, I'm in a sense, I'm not exactly an actor, but I did something like that. And then what I did was then turned into, you know, something else, but. I'm not the character, you know, uh, no. I, an actor can play a homicidal maniac or they can play, you know, the, you know, the kindly, uh, priest in the village, or oh, they might be both, uh, yeah. uh, but you know, the, the character, the actor is not those people, you know, no. uh, it, it, and, uh, so I don't see that they're doing that to me.
0: Well, you do have a point. And that pretty much uh, answers the question, yeah. Yeah. Um, Do you play any instruments?
1: Uh, Oh, when I was in high school, I I played guitar, but I I am a little dyslexic. And I could never get through one whole song somehow. So at some point, I gave that up. But... um, I really enjoyed. I, I, I was with uh, Guitar Craft about 25 years actively. I still have a connection there, and I I really enjoyed being part of that world. Uh, we I'd sometimes go on tours and things. So we we did some of that, and we'd get we'd get performances together. It's so it's, uh, uh, I I I admire people that can perform live. It's it's really quite an incredible. Thing to be able to do that, and I also, yeah. but I also admire. I've been on the periphery of some recording sessions, and I admire people that can work and and the skills they have to get something really amazing, some amazing sound stuff. You know, it's. Yeah. Uh, I'm glad there are, are. Are I actually knew the guy that did a lot of the sound uh, for, Valve.
0: Haley uh, Bailey isn't wasn't that.
1: Well, I knew a guy named Tobis, uh, Tobin Buttram. I, I don't know if he was the main guy or not, but he, he did a lot with them. Uh, Tobin mm-hmm. Buttram, and he had been involved in Guitar Craft. Yeah. Uh,
0: okay. Well, all right, man. Frank, thank you so much for joining me on the oh. Volt podcast. Uh, is there anything you'd like to tell the, the fans of G-Man and Half-Life? Any special message, anything?
1: The right man at the wrong time can make all the difference.
0: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and that's completely right. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm so glad that you've seen my comment under your YouTube video uh, and that you were interested in coming on here and uh, chat about Half-Life. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm just uh, very flattered and uh, thankful.
1: Well, you've done a great uh, job at interviewing, uh, at running this, Ronald. Uh, you really have, and I'm—I'm uh, uh, the pleasure is all mine, as they say, and uh, and
0: thanks. Well, thank you. Well, hopefully, I'll have you back sometime soon, and we can talk about Half-Life Three. <laughs> okay.
1: <laughs> I, I, I hope that happens. Yeah, that would be wonderful.